every runner has some sort of a backstory. I'm going to be your host, Amanda Loudon. We're going to talk to different guests in the coming weeks and months uh, that you're going to find interesting, entertaining, uh, and you'll probably even learn a little bit from it. everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of Running Story. I'm your host, Amanda Loudon, and I thought I would kick off all of our series with a really great one. Uh, I'm going to be talking today with Keith Lavasser. He's a 38-year-old running ultra runner um, from my running club, and uh, he's got a really colorful story to share with you all. He's not only an ultra runner who has completed Leadville and Western States, both 100 milers, uh, but he happens to hold the record for the Guinness World Record for the fastest marathon completed in flip flops. Yes, that's uh, that's that's the truth right there, and I think that's that's kind of a fun fact. So I know you're going to enjoy uh, what Keith has to say and uh, learning a little bit about his backstory. And uh, before we get rolling with that, I was wanted to let, make sure that you all have my email address so that you can share any suggestions for upcoming episodes or any ways you might have in mind for improving what we're bringing to you. So my email address is misszippy1 at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at misszippy1. Or look me up on my blog, which is www.misszippy1.com. Please reach out to me. Please give me your feedback. We can only deliver what you're looking for uh, if we're getting that feedback. And in the meantime, let's get rolling with Keith. Okay, welcome to another edition of The Running Story. This week I've got uh, a, a great runner with a really interesting backstory. His name is Keith Lavasser. He uh, is from my hometown here in Ellicott City, and uh, he is an ultra runner and uh, an all-around talented runner, and I think you're going to love what he has to say. So, Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you, Amanda. I'm really excited to have you on here, and... Um, before we start talking about all of your accomplishments, uh, I want to do what I do with everyone, and that is get some backstory on you. So, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your age and uh, how long you've been running and how you got started running? All right, well, my age is 37, and I started running. Um, I mean, as a as a child, running playing sports as a kid and then through high school played um, or ran cross country and track and I was never very good at either one of them. It's um, hard to believe. <laughs> yeah. Um, I never knew how cross country scoring works. I never scored for cross country. So, um, uh, and then after high school, I joined the Marine Corps and that was an element of kind of everyday life is, is running or being, uh, being fit. And usually it's not in, I mean, it, it's shorts and t-shirts, but it's also in, in boots and with packs and things. Um, so I didn't actually start recreationally running until 2008, so that's um, about seven years now. Wow. You've accomplished a lot in those years. Um, so what, when, when you started running recreationally, um, what made you decide to go down that road? Um, I started 
recreation just because I was uh, noticing a trend. After I got out of the Marine Corps, I did nothing for about three years. And I noticed a trend of uh, needing to increase the waist size of uh, my <laughs> pants. Um, so I figured I, was, I should uh, take care of that. And the first thing I could think of is go for a run. And I uh, went out for a single mile and about... Um, about half a mile into it or so, my legs hurt so bad I could barely continue. But I, so I turned around and went back and made it a complete mile, and uh, and didn't realize how quickly I had uh, declined in my ability to to run. So I uh, went out the next day and did it again. And I've been basically persisting at it ever since. Wow. Okay. Um, so how long between getting back to running? And running your first race, was it? And what kind of a race was that? So the f- I first started running, I think it was in um, March time frame in um, 2008. And uh, a friend of mine had a extra cherry blossom 10-miler bib available and asked if I wanted it. So uh, I decided to go from barely making about three miles to signing up for this 10-mile run. And... Um, and prior to running the race, after a few runs, I, I thought the best motivation to uh, continue with it was to do a marathon. So, wow. Then I, then I decided to do that. Then the bib came available, and I figured it would be a good first step. Okay. So, so how was that first race for you? That first race experience? It, it was painful. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know how to pace. I didn't. I'd never really run ten miles in a single shot before. So. Uh, I went out at what was probably more closely like a 5K pace. Okay. And about five or six miles into it, I realized I'd made a pretty bad mistake <laughs> and uh, suffered through it and finished, uh, but then just really enjoyed the, the whole experience, even though the last couple of miles was uh, less than pleasant. Okay. Okay. Um, and then how long after that until you did a marathon? Um, there's a Marine Corps marathon later that year. So okay. That so was April to, April to October. October. Okay. All right. And, and how was your first marathon experience? Uh, similar to the 10 mile experience, except, <laughs> um, a little bit more painful and for a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I had gone through uh, a training program to help get prepared for it. Okay. Through the Striders. Through Striders. Program. Okay. And, uh, so I had an idea of of long runs and pacing that sort of thing but I had never gone beyond 20 miles so I wasn't really certain what laid beyond that and um, I, I found out and it it wasn't terrible it was just very um, it, was, it was more difficult than I thought it was going to be okay and uh, I just had to just suffer through the last by four miles or so and uh, but finishing was a real accomplishment sure sure that's great um, do you mind my asking what your first marathon finishing time was? 3.38. 3.38, yeah. Uh, well, okay, that doesn't make me feel so bad. My first marathon finishing time was at 3.39, um, so that's about as close as I've ever been to you in a, in a race. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know you're fairly ingrained in the local running community. Um, you know, I know you're, you're tied in pretty tightly with the Striders and a lot of people around here locally. And yeah. um, Did that all happen through the Next Step program, or how did you end up you know, making a lot of these friends and starting to train more regularly with them. So it was through the Next Step programs. It was the, okay. the, the training group that people you start to run with during the training and then um, helping out with, with coaching. And then the more more you run, the more um, friends you make while running. And then it just it kind of becomes your, your second family is your running family. Yeah, got that, got that. Um, very similar experience for me and, and with the Striders too. Um, 
I, I'm going to guess that, that running with some of these folks is what kind of turned you on to ultras and, and the desire to start running some ultras, or how'd that all come about? It, it is, and the first time I'd heard about it was an, an, what an ultra was. And at, except for my first marathon, I swore I'd never run another marathon. <laughs> and, um, and, of course, that, that didn't hold true, and I went, I've run more since then. But then it was probably sometime in 2009 or or early 2010 that I had heard of ultra marathons and a friend of mine had done a 50 miler and and I thought that was absolutely nuts and I said there's no way if I ever done a marathon I'll never do a 50 miler never <laughs> do anything beyond a marathon it's stupid but acknowledging that there was something longer and more challenging out there um I think planted the seed of being curious about it. And right. Usually, when I get curious about something, the only way to really solve the curiosity is to go do it yourself. Okay. Okay. So your first ultra was a 50k or a 50 miler? 50 miler. JFK. Uh, Stone Mill. Stone the, Mill. The inaugural year. Uh, a friend of mine was the race director of, of that race, okay. and he created it and um, seemed like a good first one to support a friend and. Uh, a new race and an inexpensive race. Yes, yes, yeah. I know I, I hear a lot of really good things about Stone Mill. Um, not that there's anything wrong with JFK, oh. but I know they're on the same weekend, and, and Stone Mill just has a nice reputation. Yes. So um, did you do, kind of tell me a little bit about your training for your first 50-miler. How much time did you spend on the trails, and did that develop your love for trails? So um, I guess there's a, a, a a couple of answers in there. The, the love for trails, I've always loved being in the woods. As um, Growing up as a kid, playing in the woods a lot, and then um, my time in the Marines, it was kind of like being a bigger kid playing in the woods with different toys. Mm -hmm. So I've always enjoyed the woods, and um, even the woods at night, which is, is odd for most people. <laughs> um, so I've always liked being in the woods, so trail running seemed like a natural fit. Um, my training for the first 50... Um, I think it was just more like marathon training and did a couple of trail runs. But uh, back then, my impression of trail runners was just washed up road runners that weren't as fast, <laughs> so they go to the trails so they can hide and run slower. Um, so, I mean, I was a little bit off on that one. So, going into it, I thought uh, I was going to show these trail runners what running's all about, and I was going to go in there and kind of tear it up and. Um, I, it certainly reality came uh, came down on me pretty quick on my on this this first fifty miler when uh, people are walking up the hills and, yeah. and I'm thinking they're going to be out here forever. I don't know why they're doing that. Yeah, yeah. I'm a runner. Runners run, so I'm running up all the hills and running all down the steep hills and running through the water and running everywhere and and I get to the turnaround point. It's not back and and uh, it hit me that I'd just run. I think 26 and a half miles, uh, <laughs> and I was really, really tired. <laughs> and then I had to go back. So yeah. all the people that I had passed um, or, or run run far ahead of that I thought they'd never going to finish um, all passed me <laughs> yeah. on the return trip because I was walking every uphill, every downhill, and pretty much every flat. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> um, but you were hooked after that? I, w I was hooked with a challenge because um, the, the trend here is I, I go into these things and um, go into it without really knowing exactly what I'm getting into, uh, run a, a not a very smart race at all, and make a lot of mistakes along the way, learn from those mistakes, and need to go back and redeem myself. Okay. So um, running the first half was not smart. 
so I after that I was kind of determined to um, to stay at it until I could until I could really uh, do this one well. Very nice, very nice. So, how much time did you spend at the fifty miler before you started contemplating the hundred miler? Uh, that was my next race. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> logically. So, yeah. so um, yeah, so I finished this this fifty miler and. And then it, it took some bit of time to kind of mentally recover from uh, just the just the I mean the endurance going through it all and and I did regain the last eight miles. I had a really great final eight mile um, run when I kind of got to that really low long lasting low point. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I finished, it was a, a real sense of accomplishment. Like I just run fifty miles. I can't believe it. And then I think the very next thought was, um, I wonder what a hundred is like. Um, you know, if it feels as good to finish 50, it must feel twice as good to finish 100. <laughs> right. So um, then I was thinking, what's, you know, what, what 100 will it be? And I think I just recently run the book Born to Run. So okay. uh, the, the only one I knew of was the Leadville Trail. One of the only ones I knew of was Leadville Trail 100. So that ended up being the, um, the epicness of that run. Uh, I didn't want to run some easy 100 if I was going to do 100. So. Wow. Okay, so Leadville, you don't need to qualify to get in, or do you? I think you needed to run a qualifying race, a 50-mile or longer, okay. and just finish it within the prescribed time. Okay, okay. Now, um, I know uh, that with with uh, hundreds, you can have some pacers and a support crew. You need right. the support crew. Um, and I know you've used um, Grace, your wife, right? She's yes. done some. So did she help you with your first, with crewing your Absolutely, first? Absolutely, yeah. She did, yeah. And Donnie as well? And Donnie, yes. Yeah, another local runner here, Donnie Chapman. Um, so what was that like having, you know, your your wife, I guess she was your future wife at that time, alongside you, helping you uh, finish this epic race? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was amazing. It was really, um, uh, it it's 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 hard to put into words. It's very uh, emotional because you get in these really low points, and um, and you just you, you doubt yourself, and they're there to to comfort you and reassure you and and get you going. And oftentimes, when you're just slogging it out, the only thing you look forward to is seeing a familiar face and seeing yeah. a loved one and a friend, and just and getting to these points, and then and then they're there to take care of you. And all these terrible thoughts you're having, this real low point you're having, suddenly it all kind of vanishes and goes away. And and once again, anything is possible. And yeah. and you move on with this uh, kind of renewed um, excitement to getting to the next one. And and then you go again, go through this, this typical like a low point or a, a struggle, a, a hard climb, up Hope Pass, for instance. And then um, and then all you want to do is get to the, get to the next point, get to the next point, get to the next yeah. point, and you get there, and then it's just like, oh, I'm finally here. Yeah, yeah. And you're not done, but you just keep playing that over and over again, and eventually the the I'm finally there is the finish line. Right, right. Now um, you have, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you've returned the favor to both of them, correct? For yes. crewing, right? Yes. So uh, a couple um, times. So yes. Yeah, so now you know, Grace. How many? She's run at least one. 100, she's right? run two 100s. Okay. Vermont, Vermont 100 both times. Okay. And you've been with her for both of those crewing. Uh, I was with her for the second one. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's very very cool. Um, and then Donnie as well. You've 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 crewed for him. And I've crewed him. for him f- um, for his first 100, which was also Leadville. Okay. And um, just a few weeks ago, I crewed for him in Vermont. Okay. Very nice. Very nice. Now, um, 
I, obviously, you know around here Tom Green, and he's um, you know yeah. the, the legend, and it's very cool that he's from here in our backyard, and he created the Grand Slam. Um, is that ever in your plans? I've always said it would be the. I've always said that Western States is the hardest to get into, so I always right. said that once I get in there, it just is logical to do um, to do them all that same year. Right. Um, life sometimes has different turns, right. and uh, with a 16-month-old at home, <laughs> priorities shift, and yeah. um, spending thousands of dollars on races is not really in the cards right now. Totally understand um, that, yeah. But it's certainly on the list of something to do at some point in time. Yeah. Uh, just the utmost respect for Tom Breen and what he's done, just knowing he's done Western States 10 times. and It's crazy. It's, it is just amazing to keep going, to have gone back there 10 times to, to finish that race. Uh, in addition to the countless other hundreds and fifties and everything else he's been doing for, for decades. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, so in addition to trail racing, I know you've done your share of marathons beyond Marine Corps. How many other marathons have you done? Um, oh, I don't know. It's been a, it, over a dozen, over okay. a dozen different ones and uh, Marine Corps uh, every year since I first. Oh, you have? Okay, I didn't realize that. Okay, yeah. nice. Now, um, what, if you could share with everyone your PR with that, because you're very fast. So my PR was at Marine Corps Marathon in 2011, and it was a 238. 238, so nice. I managed to drop an hour from my time on the same course. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, which is going to lead me into the flip-flop marathon. Right. So this was Baltimore Marathon, uh, what, maybe 12? 2012. 2012, yeah. okay. Um, so why don't you explain to everybody, um, what went down, why you decided to, uh, well, let me just say to everyone, uh, Keith holds the record, correct? Yes. For the fastest marathon run in flip-flops. So I'll let Keith tell us a little bit about how this all came to being. So the, the thought first entered in 2010 when, um, Grace, my, my wife was running her first 50 miler. And I was crewing for her, and I needed to drop a drop bag at one of the spots. So, and I it's get to park about a half a mile away or so, maybe a little bit further. And I parked, and I went to run to get down there to drop it off, and I still had my flip flops on. And I ran, I don't know, probably 50 feet or so, and realized I need to go back and get shoes in order to run there. And then I was like, well, it's not that far. I'll just run with these on. And then uh, probably maybe 100 yards into the run, I immediately thought. Um, this isn't that hard, and I wonder if I could run a marathon like this. <laughs> so that was the first seed that was planted, and it was just kind of finding time for it to, you know, when's it going to happen, when's it going to be the time. And I think I filed the paperwork initially later the summer of 2010. Okay. Um, just to see, well, I looked forward to find it. It wasn't there, and as I filed the paperwork with Guinness, they got back to me early fall, and then I had to find a good marathon where I could actually maybe try to train for it a little bit. Yeah. Which means I wouldn't be training in the summer, in the wintertime. Right. Um, right. And then uh, find a, a kind of a good race. I'm not really targeting to be a PR in any way. Right. Right. And um, so how many, how much running and flip-flops did you do prior to the race? I think a total of 14 miles. Okay. All right. And, <laughs> over, over about three runs. <laughs> and, and you felt confident, obviously. I mean, it didn't seem like it was going to be too hard for you after doing um, that. Yeah, I think at that point I was pretty confident that you know, it may hurt at some point in time. It didn't right. hurt doing those few runs, but I figured at some point in time it was probably going to hurt. Yeah. But 
um, as long as I can make it as far down the course as possible. Before it starts to hurt, then I should be okay. Yeah. And and um, what was your time in flip-flops? Uh, so I ran uh, at 2.46, just about 2.47, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And and it was a world record, and it still stands, correct? Yes. Okay, all right, that's really cool. So um, let's talk, I, I know one thing that people love to hear about, especially when it comes to people who run ultras, and that is um, what kind of fuel you use out there for the really big races, for the 100 milers and things like that. What gets you through? So for the the big races, the hundred milers and and things, I try to stick with real food um, as as long as possible. Realizing that at some point your stomach's not going to be able to handle much besides maybe some fruit and um, and maybe some gels if you can handle gels. So um, and this is so going back to my my first hundred miler, uh, basically planned for three hundred calories to be consumed per hour, which is about the most your body can really uh, process. Okay. Um, that's when I learned that your body processes energy differently at altitude, so mm. that didn't work out so well for me. Okay. Um, but it's generally a trend I still try to keep to is, you know, at least 200 calories per hour trying to consume that. But I also go more so by feel than, than strictly by science. And okay. real foods such as, um, you know, uh, potatoes or peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or if I can get like a, some sort of um, nutritional bar in or something, I'll... Mm-hmm. I'll take one of those and then realize as the race goes on, it's going to be more about just, you know, watermelon and oranges and strawberries and, you know, maybe a PB&J, some soup if it's not too hot out. And then, um, then it's just kind of endure through gels whenever you need to and, and trying to basically make the most of it with it. Another thing I wanted to talk about, I mean, in addition to the nutrition, um, is, you know, a lot of times you hear, about people, um, you know, kind of getting a little delusional on a hundred mile yeah. run or, you know, literally running asleep. I mean, things like that. Did yeah. they have, have you had any of those experiences? I've had all those experiences. Yeah, really. So, and, and so it was, I mean, how do you soldier through that and how do you, I think, so I think I, I just keep going. I mean, that's really the, the main thing. And, and for me anyway, I just go back to, um, my, uh, Marine day. So for, Four and a half years of the nine years I was in the Marine Corps, I spent in Marine Recon. And a lot of that is just you never quit. You never just give up, never stop. And you figure, like, um, I'm not going to stop. If my body gives up, that's one thing, but I'm not going to stop. So ultra running is a lot the same same way. So you just keep going. And even if you think you can't go a step further, if someone to the finish line was 10 feet down the road, you'd make the 10 feet. Sure. Um, if it's 10 more feet, you go another 10 feet. So it's just that... It's just you just don't ever give up, um, you know. I and that's just the the mentality I go into these things with. Um, that said, uh, when you get into a point when you can't take on any food, so my first level experience, my uh, stomach turned on me right about mile. I think it was coming up on mile sixty, and I couldn't take in any food or any water, and uh, anything I tried to take in just came right back out. So it went on for hours and hours and miles this way and get to the point where I couldn't really stay awake anymore. So I'm, okay. I'm walking, and um, my pacer at the time, I think it was Donnie that was with me, um, was just kind of frustratingly walking beside me as I'm just have my eyes pretty much closed and I'm just shuffling through the woods. And then um, later on, the sun comes up for the second day, and, and I'm still a few miles from the finish line. and. And um, at the time, now Grace is pacing me, and and her most common question is, "Are your eyes open?" And I would 
as a three-year-old, I'd be like, you know, I'd say, yes, yes, and then, are your eyes open? No. <laughs> so it's, I'd literally walk with my eyes closed, and i just just keeping the, the feet moving and hope that they're going to steer me from the trees and everything else and keep me keep me safe. So I've, I have walked um, for hours and hours and hours with you know, eyes closed, trying to stay awake. And wow. if I stop, I start to fall asleep. My legs give out on me. So I've been through that. And then um, some of my pacers on the races um, and even Leadville the second time have attested to some of my hallucinations where um, I'll see things. Yeah. And they're so real, I know they're there, but I'm pretty sure they're fake, so I don't say anything. <laughs> and I only tell them after the fact, and they realize that I thought I saw something because I keep looking like I'm staring at, at the, something in the woods, and they can't figure out what I'm looking at. Okay, okay. Um, but then there are the hallucinations that are so real, I'll, um, I'll get startled by it, and I'll say something, and I get a, a weird look from my pacer saying, what are you doing? <laughs> you didn't see that? There's nothing there, and, and we'll argue about whether it's there or not, and um, sure enough, it's not. <laughs> wow, wow, that is, uh, that is crazy. So um, describe for me a typical training week for you these days. Um, oh, um, these days, it's a little bit different than it has been previously. Uh, a typical training week, I, you know, I try to get there as much as I can, and most of my runs are stroller runs, mm-hmm. and uh, which is great training on its own. It is, um, yeah. It's just... It's good resistance training and yeah. strength training all in one. Yeah. So that's kind of the majority of my runs. And I think um, I just fill out some paperwork, um, a post-race survey, and ask what my average mileage was over the three months leading up to Western States. And I looked back on it to see what it was, and it was uh, 35.6 miles. Wow. So, okay. I'm really impressed that you are doing 100 milers on that kind of mileage. So that's, yeah. It's, wow. That's... The um, the mod I've been doing is about thirty five miles. I'm I'm trying to ramp it up now, so it should be getting up a bit higher. Okay. But um, I don't think I'll be getting close to where I was a few years ago, where I was averaging anywhere from eighty to one hundred and five or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids will do that, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All worth it though. Um, well, so I mean, you know, you you were just saying most of them are are stroller miles, and I mean, so are you emphasizing quality over quantity? Do you think at this point? I'd say yeah, quality over quantity, um, and there's a lot that goes into it. So running 100 miles on a 35 mile training week, again, it's more mental. It's so much more of it is mental than anything else. And I have yeah. a really solid you know, years worth base of miles, so it's not that I'm coming into it not having run for years and then yeah. doing a few you know 30 mile weeks and doing 100 mile. That's, right. Right. Wouldn't be smart, right? Right. Um, but it's it's certainly more mental than it is physical, and it, I just I think it's it's certainly quality over quantity, and even if, say a thirty five mile week might just be Saturday and Sunday. It might just be two runs over the weekend, and you know, sure they're sore after them. It there can be painful during it. Yeah. But it's kind of getting into that tapping into that mentality of uh, persisting forward and. And working nutrition and just working what's more a game of uh, strategy than, than it is just sheer physical ability. Yeah, yeah. Wow, quite impressive. Okay. Um, so let's just talk a little bit about future plans. Anything, you said you're getting ready to ramp up some mileage. So what's yeah. coming up? Um, so I have a, a, a kind of, I have a few 50 miles coming up in November. Uh, and of course, Marine Corps Marathon in end of October. So I have Mount Mascus 
50 miler, then the next weekend, Stonewall 50 miler, then the next weekend is JFK. Wow. So uh, last year, in just kind of talking amongst friends, I noticed that there were three, these three same three races were over a four week span, and I okay. kind of remarked um, tongue in cheek, too bad there wasn't a fourth 50 miler because then I'd do all four of them. And then a friend called me out on it and said, <laughs> Well, if you do, if you find a 50 miler and run it, then um, I'll cook you a turkey dinner. So I, <laughs> I, I, I tend to really like turkey, so um, we ended up putting together a um, just a, a very low key, unofficial 50 mile run. Which was is the um, ended up being a five mile out and back course, it was a two and a half mile out and back that I uh, ran fifty miles on. Oh, wow. But so I did the four fifty milers um, with Marine Corps Marathon, uh, being the first weekend before all of those. Okay. So, so I'm doing similar thing this year, except there's a week off between Marine Corps and the first fifty miler, and there's only three of them. Wow! So, wow! Okay. So yeah. that's kind of what the fall entails, and. I would like to do well at them, so I'm trying to ramp up mileage okay. now to so I can really try to um, uh, perform where I've been performing in the past. Okay. Do you do speed work at all? Um, I used to. I haven't done it in probably about two years. Mm. Um, I used to do a lot of hill repeats and really fast stuff in the hills and a lot of track work and or at least you know, once a week, each of them. Right. So I haven't been doing that, but I think I'm going to try to work that in. Um, after August, September, I'll try to work in um, if some speed work with the base of miles I'm going to try to build up now and then integrate, ramp down on the mileage, ramp up on the speed and the intensity, and then try to carry that into Marine Corps and see if I can run um, a good race in Marine Corps. And then okay. hopefully all those... Two recipes of big miles and then speed will work well for the 50 milers and be able to actually run competitively. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, judging by all the mileage you've done over the years and, and all the racing, um, have, have you had an injury ever? So I have. I've had um, a couple of things. I had a um, I tweaks up to my lower back, which ended up being, I think, some, something to do with the sciatic nerve, and it was... Um, mm pretty excruciatingly painful mm. and that was starting off the starting off 2012 i believe so okay. end of 2011 it was actually new year's eve um so started the new year in a lot of pain okay and that kind of knocked me back in training for a couple of months while i worked on that and i still would try to do something but it was a very um painful running and it was a um an altered gait because i couldn't run very yeah. fluidly yeah and I think that led to the next thing. It's that they always tend to work this way, where you, oh, yeah. something happens, and then you try to be stubborn and push through it, and you change your gait, you change something, and then that yeah. leads to another injury. Yeah. So then I started having some pain in my um, uh, like groin area, adductor area. Okay. And um, that ended up being a uh, torn labrum. I found out oh, a, wow. a, a year later. Okay. After running through it. Okay. Um, and it, it was actually on both sides, so I had a torn labrum on both sides and that was coming into uh 2014 okay and i was dealing with that all through 2013 um end of 2012 through 2013 and then in 2014 got kind of to the point where it was, it was too painful i couldn't deal with it anymore and and finally went to a medical professional and they diagnosed me and told me to rest and i told them i probably wasn't going to do that 
So they said, all right, don't do as much and go do physical therapy. So I did that and it worked out uh, worked out well. Okay, great. All right, that's good to hear because I know a lot of torn labrums end up with surgery. So Yeah, and that yeah. was one of the things is that we could do surgery and you can either follow this guidance or we'll do surgery and I thought, let's just try this modified guidance for a little while and see yeah. how that works out. And yeah. It worked out all right and it was kind of um, ironic how I was still having pain with it on and off and it was kind of very... Um, Irregular when it, I think I'd be fine, and then next run it would be it'd be so painful. I, it was almost too too painful to bear anymore. And this was leading into Vermont 100, and for the first um, probably 60 miles of Vermont, it was so painful to stop running that I had Ugh. to run so much wow. that I um, completely blew like um, basically blew up my quads by thir- 30 miles into it. Oh wow! So just my legs were trashed and I couldn't not run because it hurt too much to transition to walk and right. transition from running to from walking to running and it was just so painful the transitions until about 60 miles and then magically at 60 miles it just didn't hurt anymore wow that's crazy and it hasn't really hurt since then wow so <laughs> some sort of self-correction went on there <laughs> I don't know what happened but <laughs> the doctors might be wrong with this one. Right, right. It was wow. it was just go run until it stops hurting, which is um, it worked out well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's excellent. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I think we pretty much covered everything, and I certainly appreciate your time. I know that uh, listeners are going to love this episode, and there's a lot to learn here, and uh, you know you've, you've got a fascinating story. So I appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. All right.